0: Morning, everyone. Morning, everyone. Good morning. Oh, wow. Thank you, people at the front. I regret that already. Um, I don't know about you, but I've, I've really enjoyed our series on the Lord's Prayer. Um, it's been absolutely fantastic. And as I've heard people's contributions and I've read the prayer again and again and again and again and, again and prayed it and pondered it and meditated on it, I've slowly but surely realized that there is a lot of richness there. It's on one hand so simple, but it has a myriad of implications for us as we seek to be Jesus' disciples in our day-to-day lives. And so as a way of recapping where we've been, I'm just going to go through um, the prayer line by line um, with some thoughts. So it starts off in Matthew 6 with Jesus saying, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name our father our father so jesus described yahweh the god of the old testament as his father and if you actually read the old testament it, he didn't get referred to as father very often at all only a handful of times and we're so familiar with it because we're new testament people and we're lord's prayer people that it kind of loses its impact our father jesus described yahweh as his father and he invites his followers, to do exactly the same. The one who created all things, who's in heaven, entirely separate from us, beyond comprehension and understanding, wants to be referred to by us as our Father. So loving, so accessible, so approachable, so near. And the prayer is designed to shape our desires so that his name is hallowed, his name is special, his name is known as opposed to my name, or your name, or my selfish desires and my agendas. And that's why it continues with these words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the prayer invites us to surrender our individual and our collective wills to God's. Our hyper-individualistic culture of self-discovery and self-promotion is directly contradicted by these words. I want my desires changed so that I would wholeheartedly pursue God's will, not mine. I want Him to reign in my life, so that as I love God and my neighbor, little green shoots of the kingdom would just start popping up everywhere. And then there's last week's phrase, "Give us today our daily bread." And like the rest of the prayer, these six words are also incredibly countercultural. Not only is this a clear example of absolute dependence on God for all things, even the basics of life, it's designed to reorient our desires so that we want what God wants. Give us today our daily bread means that life is not about the accumulation of wealth and stuff. And so the Lord's Prayer is like a prophet railing against the individualistic and consumeristic idols of our day. And we would do well to pray it and wrestle with it constantly, daily, trusting that the Spirit would transform our hearts so that we love what the Father loves. And then there's this week's focus. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So I wonder what comes to mind when you read that sentence. For me... I jump to the implications of this for my relationships with the difficult people in my life. And the times when I've found it hard to forgive, I jump to the second part of the sentence so that it's about me and my need to forgive and my temptation to justify why perhaps that doesn't apply to me because they started it and it was that thing and it was a big deal. And I try to justify myself. But stop. Remember what I just said. This prayer is about the Father, not me. It's about His name. It's about His kingdom, His will, His provision and His forgiveness. And so before I talk about part B of the sentence, we need to stop, we need to take a breath and we need to talk about part A. Because if we only focus on part B and we forget part A, then there is a real risk. Because Jesus is a phenomenal teacher, but his teachings will be too much for us until and unless he becomes our saviour. Jesus is a phenomenal teacher, but his teachings will be too much for us until and unless he becomes our saviour. And so part A, and forgive us our debts, As Pete pointed out last week, this is supposed to be a daily prayer. It would be weird to ask for our daily bread once a month. That was his joke, and I still got a chuckle. So thanks, Pete. I appreciate that. And if it's a daily prayer, then we need to ask for God's forgiveness daily, all the time. I want to be more like Jesus, and this prayer is designed with that end in mind. It's supposed to transform our desires so that they mirror the Father's desires but we all fail. And the fact that this is a daily prayer implies that we will fail daily. Why would we need to ask for and bring to mind God's forgiveness daily if we didn't fail daily? I've used this quote here before. Only those who are truly aware of their sin can truly cherish grace. And as I've said, the purpose of this prayer is to re-iron our hearts. If we want to become people who forgive others, then we need to come to terms with two things the depth of our sin and the riches of God's grace. The two go hand in hand. So think of this parable in Luke 18. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus said this Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself. "'and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, "'the robbers and the evildoers and the adulterers "'or even this tax collector. "'I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get.' "'But the tax collector stood at a distance. "'He did not even look up to heaven, "'but beat his breast and said, "'God, have mercy on me, a sinner. "'I tell you that this man, rather than the other, "'went home justified before God, "'for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled,' And those who humble themselves will be exalted. So which one of these two understood the depths of their sin? Which one was in a position to learn about and experience God's grace? Which one is positioned to have a forgiving heart when it comes to their relationships with others? A few years ago, um, Kerry and I and the kids were the team family for a Scripture Union mission. Down at Apollo Bay. And um, it was fun. It was good. Um, It was quite tiring and it had its challenges. And I got to see, because I'm old now, right? How does that make you feel? Anyway, I'll go down that rabbit warren. But it was interesting because you see this this young team and these young leaders finding their feet. And you sort of sit back and go, oh, they're going to regret saying that now. But it was good, and being their mentor was good. And when the program was on, the kids would be making things and singing songs and all sorts of fun stuff. And we had the job, Kerry and I, of talking to the parents and to the grandparents, building relationships with them, building connections with them, offering them a coffee and and chatting to them. And it was very, very common for them to ask questions of us. Like, who are you? (laughs) What are you doing here? How much does it cost? It's free. Can we make a donation? No, 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 it's fine. We're just trying to give back to the community. How much do you get paid? No, nothing. We're all volunteers. Where do you come from? All over the place. Melbourne, Ballarat, South Gippsland. They didn't get it. Why do you do this? Why do you do this? On one occasion, a grandfather was chatting to me and he just couldn't get his head around a group of young people giving up their time, giving up their money to do what we did. remember a lot of these people on the team were uni students so they only had a certain period of time in the year where they could work and two weeks of that was given to this mission this guy was completely mystified in the the end as we got chatting i began to share with him about jesus how much he loves us and how much that love motivated us to give back to this community and to this mission we wanted him to be known and i could tell that this guy was drawn to jesus He was intrigued. He wanted to know him. However, at one point, he just looked at me and he stopped and he had tears in his eyes and he just said, you don't understand, Anthony. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful man. It's confronting to see a 70-year-old man crying, telling you that they're a sinner. To which I said something like, so am I, Joe. So am I. And with that... The program was over and I never saw him again. A person in Joe's position is perfectly placed to experience the beauty and the joy and the freedom of God's grace made possible by Jesus' sacrifice of himself. And the daily habit of honest confession and honest and heartfelt requests for forgiveness guards us against arrogance and pride and frees us to freely forgive others in other words our vertical relationship with the father needs to be right so that we've got the equipment required to successfully navigate our horizontal relationships with others so now we get to part b of the sentence forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors well, first off, it's assumed that we have forgiven our debtors. I, I could probably finish there. I think that's probably challenging enough. Don't you think? But I'm not going to. <laughs> Jesus' command that we forgive others is, is just that. It's a command. It's not an optional extra. The problem is, that this teaching of Jesus, the command to forgive, is, is actually really easily misunderstood. You know, I'm a teacher. The most angry parents are the ones whose kid has been bullied and they feel like justice hasn't been done and all they've heard is that their kid, who's the victim, just needs to forgive and move on. They get, understandably, pretty cross. But Jesus' command to forgive, it is very easily misunderstood because forgiveness is not brushing wrongdoing under the rug. It's not pretending that the wrongdoing wasn't a big deal and forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Matthew 18 is really helpful and I encourage you to read all of Matthew but particularly Matthew 18 today when you get home. Or if you are at home, you can read it after the service is done. (laughs) Jesus says in Matthew 18, If someone sins against you, point out their fault just between the two of you. Point out their fault. Have you ever done that? Pluck up the courage to go up to someone and say, Hey, you did this thing and it wasn't good. Pretty scary. Don't sweep it under the carpet. Don't pretend it's not a big deal. Point out their fault, just the two of you. Now, if that doesn't work, take one or two others with you and try again. Because, you see, it would be unwise for you to be alone with that person again. That's the implication. If they've hurt you, and if you've pointed out their fault and they refuse to acknowledge that, it would be unwise for you to be with that person alone again. Alone again. Take a couple of people with you. And if that doesn't work, well, take a whole lot of people with you, it actually says do it in front of everyone. <laughs> the command to forgive doesn't mean that there are no consequences for that relationship, but it does mean that we are to forego our right to retaliate because Jesus did not take that right when he died for me and when he died for you. So if you've been hurt by someone, then you need to know that forgiveness and reconciliation are not one and the same. Reconciliation requires the two people to humble themselves, both of them, commit to repairing the relationship together and seek restoration. Reconciliation is a mutual project. But forgiveness, forgiveness takes one and says that I'm not, I am going to choose to not claim the right to retaliate because Jesus did not take that right when he died for me reconciliation, mutual forgiveness, just one and Jesus knows that this is a big, big ask it's a real challenge and unfortunately he doesn't let us off the hook he doesn't have a nice fluffy verse that means nothing at the end of the Lord's Prayer he kind of ups the ante and it says this, straight after the Lord's Prayer Jesus says for if you forgive other people when they sin against you your heavenly Father will also forgive you good But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Oh boy, (laughs) they're challenging words. Listen to what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, if you struggle to forgive, or if it takes you a long time to forgive, he says that if you refuse. If you do not forgive, if you stubbornly refuse to forgive, then what you are showing is that you have not internalised the grace and forgiveness that you have been given in Jesus. You've not fully understood the depth of his forgiveness because it hasn't come out of you towards that other person. You know, when I talk to students at school um, or kids, they sometimes ask me, how can I be sure that I'm a real Christian? How can I be sure? Well, according to Jesus, the number one sign that you've really taken on board and ingested his grace and forgiveness is whether or not you forgive others. The pipeline of grace into us is the very same pipeline that flows out of us and into our day-to-day relationships with others. Grace and mercy in as a daily practice as a reminder, and then flowing out from that. This is not the same as reconciliation. I've said that. But it is an attitude of the heart. And again, Matthew 18 continues to be helpful. Matthew 18 starts off with the bit that I um, just summarised before. And then Peter comes to Jesus and he says, and he asks this question, Lord, how many times do I forgive my brother? Seven times. Now, Peter being Peter, lots of Peters in here. I'm talking about the Apostle Peter being Peter. <laughs> he's, he's trying to sound a little bit clever, like seven times seven. It's a complete number, you know, seven days of creation, all that jazz. And Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. No, seven's, seven's no good. He says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. It's kind of asking, you know, how many times do I forgive my brother? A million times? And it's like, no, a million times, a million times. And he tells this parable. There's a king. And he wants to settle his accounts. And so he does an audit of who owes what. And someone comes in and he owes, this servant owes 10,000 bags of gold. So it's, it's this Numbers are really interesting in this passage because they're ridiculous. Like 10,000 back, it may, it may as well be a billion dollars. And the king says, you're going to pay up. And the servant says, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll pay. And the king says, if you, don't, if you don't pay up, you're going to have to go to jail. Your family's going to have to j- go to jail and you're only going to be released when it, it is all paid. And the guy's like, yeah, billion dollars, no problem. I'll, I'll pay you back. I, I, I met this guy. And he, he sold me this bag of diamonds. And he said, they're going to increase in value by 10 times in, in a few months. Or I got this email from this guy. And he, and he's, he sold me like a billion dollars worth of cryptocurrency. And I only had to pay 10 grand. And, and I'll get the money. And I'll pay. I've added a little bit of mayonnaise. But you get the idea. It's ridiculous. There is no way he can pay this money back, 10,000 bags of gold. It's ridiculous. There's not a chance. He's, Just give me some time. Just give me a couple of weeks. Oh, I'll pay it back. And he's on his knees and he's begging for mercy. And not only does the king not put him in jail, not put his family members in jail, but he forgives the debt. And he walks out of there owing zero, owing nothing. And then this guy, who's debt-free, 10,000 bags of gold, sorted, sees someone who owes him a small amount of money, 10 bucks, he sees this guy and he just sees red and he grabs him by the throat and he says give me back my money give it i demand that you give to me what is owed to me if you don't if you don't i'm going to put you in jail and this guy uses exactly the same words as he just used to the king he gets on his knees and he's like please just i've just got to need a bit of time just give me a couple of days I'll, i'll pay you back no and he throws him into jail. Now when the king hears of this, he's furious because he's just given him freedom. He's just forgiven him this debt. And on the very same day, he's gone out and acted completely contrary to the grace that has been given him. So the guy gets thrown in jail and he's ordered to be tortured until he's paid the debt back. And Jesus concludes, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. Now when you came in today, you would have found a small bit of paper. Um, Can you please grab it? There are also um, pens kind of strewn around. Um, Some of them are going to work, some of them are not going to (laughs) work. And as I was reflecting on this, this twofold message today. One, we need to do business with God. We need to confess confidently knowing that he will forgive us, right? That's part A. And then the second part, we need to forgive others because we've been forgiven ourselves. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, how do I make this tangible? How do I give you an opportunity to, to reflect? And I started thinking about the stuff that I've done that I need to confess, and all the things that if I was in your position, I might write on that bit of paper. So that's, that is one option for you. If, if the Spirit is working within you at the moment and you just know that that thing that you did wasn't right or that habitual sin, just it's just not under control. You just need to confess, knowing that God is very, very generous and because of Jesus, He will forgive you. I want you to take the opportunity to just write that down. Now, no one is going to see it You're not going to have to read it out loud. You're not handing it in. (laughs) It's not getting marked. You're not putting your name on it. Actually, what's going to happen is there's a bin in that direction. There's a bin over there and there's a bin over in that direction. Um, At the right time, you're going to get that bit of paper with your sin on it and you're going to rip it up into a million pieces and throw it away just as a symbol of God's generosity his promise to remove our sin as far as the east is from the west so that's that's option a option b is there could be someone who's hurt you and you know that you're harboring that hurt and that bitterness and that you want revenge and you think badly of that person and you're carrying that around and you know that you need god's help to forgive that person and it's holding you back and maybe you've been convicted that, yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy to accept God's forgiveness for myself, but other, that other person, no way. If I, if I get my chance, I'm going to put them back in their spot, no problem. Jesus says, no. The pipeline of grace in from God should flow out of us so that we forgive others, and that should characterise our relationships and interactions with one another but with everyone. So they're the two options. You could even do both if you want. Spend a minute or two reflecting. What do I need to confess? Who do I need to forgive? Write it down and then give it to God. Let go of that guilt, let go of that bitterness, and rip it up and throw it away. So the musos are going to come up. And as I was reflecting on all of this, I was convicted and I did some writing and ripping of my own, and it was helpful. Because our forgiveness of those who wrong us is to be fueled by the Father's forgiveness of us in Jesus. And when we look to Jesus and encounter immeasurable love and mercy, we can't help but have that flow from us to others. It's the way of God's kingdom. It's of who he is and who he calls us to be. Because in the end, it's not about what they did to me. It's about what Jesus has done for me it's not about what they did to me it's about what Jesus has done for me so if your sense got at work start writing the muses will start singing you can sing as well, you can write, you can sit you can stand, whatever you like and if you feel led and as you feel ready grab those bits of paper find a bin, rip it up and enjoy God's mercy thank you